It's episode 28 of the Keto for Women show. You're listening to the Keto for Women show, and I'm your host and nutritionist, Sean Miner. This show is designed to empower women to find their own expression of the keto diet to maximize their health and happiness. Now let's get started with today's episode. Welcome back to Keto for Women. Thanks, as always, for joining me. Very excited to have you here and very excited to have our special guest here today. I'll introduce her in just a minute, but let's get to a few very brief announcements, really just one that I want to share with you all. Not sure if you've all had a chance yet to, but if you are remotely interested in the Fat-Burning Female Project or if you're already a Fat-Burning Femaler or you just kind of want to see what I've been up to, check out the new Fat-Burning Female website. It's on seanminer.com, but it has its own webpage, and I've been spending tons of time updating that webpage so that you all have a better idea and vision of what you can expect from the Fat-Burning Female Project and why I created it, why it's different, what you're going to do, and even better, there are now eight different testimonials from eight different fat-burning femalers that have been through the course to hopefully provide you some idea of what it means and what it looks like and what people are experiencing in case you need that to help you determine if it's right for you. Of course, we have a new class coming up January 8th with enrollment being January 2nd. So it's going to come up real quick because we all know how quickly these next few weeks go when we're in the holiday season and there's family around and parties and all that stuff. So before you know it, you're going to be sipping on champagne January 1st, celebrating 2018. And then the next day, it's time to enroll for Fat Burning Female. So Really excited for this January class. I'm just cannot believe it's also celebrating its one year birthday in January. So we'll be celebrating that too coming up. But if you are on the fence, if you're not exactly sure if it's right for you or not, I highly recommend going to the brand new sparkly Fat Burning Female Project page. You can go to it through seanminer.com and then click on the Fat Burning Female Project up at the top. Or I will link to it in the show notes here as well, just for easy access. But please go check it out and let me know what you think. Other than that, things are moving along quite nicely here. I have lots of fun things coming up for 2018. I'm very excited to share with you all, but we'll get into that later. Why don't we go ahead and talk to our guest today? So excited to have Evelyn De Dominicus on the show today because she is someone who obviously believes in a ketogenic diet and then practices that herself, but also recommends that to many of her clients and her nutrition practice. But she also has been through menopause. And I get so many questions. It's probably like the number one thing I get asked about is keto for menopause. So I decided while I have a lot of info as to what happens in menopause and how keto would be probably a great thing for that. I don't have the experience that Evelyn does. So I'm really excited to hear from her. Here's a little background about her. Evelyn De Dominicus is a functional medicine nutritionist, certified holistic health and lifestyle coach, crossfitter, and registered yoga teacher. Her mission in life is to get people connected to their food, their bodies, and their true self in a scientific, practical, and a much deeper way than diet and exercise alone can ever achieve. She's a mom of three amazing young women and happily married to the most supportive man for half of her life. She's dealt with weight, hormonal imbalances, food and exercise obsession, and poor body image, but with a lot of trial and error, soul searching, and faith, she's healthier, more balanced, and better than she's ever been in mind, body, and spirit. So without further ado, let's talk to Evelyn. Hi, Evelyn. Thank you so much for coming on Keto for Women today. Very excited to talk to you about the ladies in the crowd that may need some extra help in that particular time of their lives called menopause. Thank you so much, Sean. I know I've been listening to your podcast. I think I heard on today's podcast that you're already six months in 
And I've heard you mention every once in a while about menopause and how there's a lot of questions about menopause. And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to reach out because I have been through menopause. I've been through menopause about two years ago. I know the pain. And I also feel like there's a lot of mindset and some ways that we can shift menopause so that it doesn't seem like this dreaded thing and that it's something that we can really kind of view in a way that can be really positive. So yes, and I am all about that. And I really do think that for some reason, there has become this negative stigma around that period of life for women. So we definitely need to get into that. But first, let's just get to know you. Tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do now, where you've come from, all that good stuff. Okay, sure. So I'm a 49-year-old woman, actually turned 50 at the end of this year. And I am a mom. I have three daughters or teenagers. And I actually come from a 20-year corporate background. So I used to work climbing the corporate ladder. I had a big job, senior vice president, six-figure income. And it was around my late 30s into my 40s where I started to at the same time, and it's so interesting how life works. Like, so I was diagnosed after my third daughter with Hashimoto's. And then at the same time, you know, kind of going through that, trying to learn like, what the heck is going on with me? And like, what's Hashimoto's? And at the same time in my job, you know, I was doing really well, just working my way up that ladder, managing hundreds of millions of dollars. And I had this pull, this pull in my late thirties, early forties to just start looking at doing something different with my life. I didn't hate my job. I actually loved my team. I had tons of support, loved my boss, but I just had this longing to do something different. So I started to kind of pursue that. I went to health coaching. I got some energy healing certifications. I was just exploring for a few years while I was still in my full-time job. And then Eventually, there was this big merger, and I decided to ask for the severance package because it was going to be like a year's paid. So I took the leap. I was terrified, but I felt so relieved, right? So it was one of those things where it's like this moment, this transformative moment. So I always talk about my stage of life now as kind of my second life. And so I took the leap. And I was like, yes, I'm doing it. And I felt so great. I was starting to see clients as a health coach. And then I realized like, you know, I need more education. And so that's when I decided to get my master's degree in nutrition. And then when you make a big leap like that, it's amazing. But at the same time, on the other side of it, it's not like there's no stress, right? You still have to be like, okay, how am I going to pay my mortgage? And how am I going to make this work starting from scratch? So that's kind of been my journey. On the health side with Hashimoto's, I had to learn from scratch. My doctor basically diagnosed me. He actually didn't call it Hashimoto's. I learned that later. He said, oh, you know, your TSH is at the time, I think it was like five or six. And I'm going to put you on Synthroid and you're going to be on it for the rest of your life. Bye. I'll see you in four months. And so I was like, oh, okay. But I wasn't even symptomatic, believe it or not at the time. So I just listened to my doctor and I started taking the thyroid medication. And sure enough, with the stress of my job, even though it was like a positive experience and then raising three daughters, I started to experience the symptoms, even though I was on medication. And that really led me to discover like functional medicine and functional nutrition. It's not like I immediately went there. I had to do a lot of research and really figure out how to help myself. And then that kind of led While I was kind of winding down my corporate career, that led me into specializing more in women's hormones and kind of using my own health journey. That was kind of the catalyst to make it clear that I really wanted to do this for the rest of my life. Um, And then along the way, I've had, you know, it's one of those things where I was like dealing with the Hashimoto's understanding it better, understanding the impact that food had on the way I felt and on my numbers, quote unquote, in terms of labs. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then I started to uncover different things with the gut. Like I had some candida and heavy metals. And so I had some high levels of mercury and lead and the symptoms were kind of getting worse before they started to get better. So anyways, it's been a quite a long journey. I've been now out of the corporate space for about seven years and, you know, working in integrative clinics. And I have the pleasure of working with so many women and men on their own journey to health. And so that's kind of 
me in a nutshell. Love it so much. And it's so fascinating how pretty much all of us in this health space as practitioners now came to it from our own bottom level situation, right? Our own need to really take our health into our own hands. So I love hearing those stories. I also want to get into the story. And this is something I kind of read up about you. And I know that we have this in common about the whole constant need to try to change your body and yo-yo dieting and all that stuff, which we have a lot of women listening right now that can relate to that either from their past, like you and I, or currently, and they can't get out of it. And I can tell you there's more women than we think that still can't get past that thought of, I have to change my eating in this way to change my body in this way. Absolutely, Sean. I mean, I see this every day. Most of the women, I would say 80 to 90% of my clients are coming to me wanting to lose weight. They want that number on the scale to be different. And usually it's a number that they remember from high school. Mm-hmm. So yeah, in my own journey, I was a chronic dieter. I did everything. I did slim fast in college, basically starved myself. I overexercised. Even in high school, I remember just not eating and even experimenting. I, I wouldn't say I had an eating disorder, like full blown and or certainly not diagnosed, but dealing with like, oh, the guilt of eating and I want to be skinny and purging. And a couple of times, and it was nothing that ever got away from me, but I just remember that kind of mindset, like I need to be thinner. And I'm not a big girl, but you know, I'm just not what I thought was the ideal. I had that huge body dysmorphia and I really carried that through my adult years and, you know, did everything slim fast, weight watchers. And it wasn't until actually in my twenties, I started to understand the power of eating real food. So this was back in the nineties, I'd say like eighties, nineties. And unfortunately, you were probably much younger, but that was the era of low fat, like fat makes you fat. I remember this, this guru, Susan Powder was like huge back then. Oh, I remember her. Oh yeah. She had the spiky (laughs) blonde hair. I I loved her. I was like, oh my God, fat makes you fat. That makes total sense. And so fat was demonized. Weight Watchers, of course, you know, nothing against it. Cause they did learn a lot about portions and stuff like that, but the spray butter became more important than actual real food. So I was eating more chemical laden foods, diet Coke, all that stuff because it was zero points. Mm -hmm. So it was so twisted. I never appreciated the food quality. And then I I uncovered this book. It was called Fit for Life back in the 80s. And it was more of a vegan slant, to be honest. And And then I did dabble with veganism, of course, and nothing wrong with it. I felt great because I went from a processed foods person. And I actually smoked cigarettes and I drank a lot. And it was just like, I was a mess Mm -hmm. to now I'm going to eat all these like real whole foods. I got a Vitamix in my twenties, which wasn't popular. (laughs) And, And I was just like, just having all this real fresh raw food. And I felt really great for a while. Then at the time in the, in the industry, soy started to come out. I'm kind of jumping around, so sorry. No, <laughs> like, no, this is great. It's, I, it's everything that I have done as well. So I completely okay. am following it because I do the same exact thing. Okay, good. Well, so this was actually before my hypothyroid Hashimoto's diagnosis. I was like, oh, soy is healthy. Okay, I'm going to eat more soy. And then Morningstar Farms and Boca, again, not just mention names and slam brands or anything like that. But a lot of those soy isolates are in those foods. And you know, as well as I do, what it can do for your hormones and for your gut. But I had no clue. I thought I was being super healthy by having like veggie sausages and these fake bacon and all this other stuff because I was vegan and because, oh, I'm getting my soy protein. And so that must be healthy. And then over the years, I started to feel worse and worse and worse and worse. And I went through different phases of like, okay, now I'm going to be vegetarian. And then it's like, oh, maybe I'll try being a pescatarian. And so I started introducing fish, but that was like, tuna and raw tuna sushi. And then I ended up with the mercury and Mm. blood diagnosis as well. Candida, I mean, everything. So I always say, I feel like 
I was meant to go through all this with the way my personality is, like I'm an analytical questioner type of person, so that I could really experience it and empathize and figure out how to help women and men through their journey as well, because I've basically been through it all. I mean, not everything, I suppose, but, you know, I've been through a lot and mm-hmm. it's like, I have an understanding and, and I can empathize. I have compassion for women who don't like their bodies that don't feel comfortable in their own skin. I get that. I've been there myself and I still struggle with it sometimes where it's like, oh, you know, you're on the beach and it's like, you want to feel like you could just run around in in a bikini and you don't want to be always covering up. So I totally get that. And, you know, what I've really learned is it's really about balance and, and I call it finding your food flow. I love keto personally. And a lot of people that I work with do wonderful on keto, but it's totally not for everybody. I feel like as long as you can find that right carbohydrate tolerance for you, and I recognize that it's different for everybody, if you can balance that, that's just a key mover. You know, eat real food and then find the right carbohydrate tolerance for you from a diet standpoint. And then you have to look at, okay, what's going on in my life? Like, am I exercising in a balanced way? Am I sleeping well? And how am I perceiving life? I think that mindset piece is another big one. Yeah, I really want to get into that mindset piece. And first of all, I want to get into it maybe with your own story. Like, was there a breaking point where you're like, okay, I need to focus now on my health instead of this body image thing? Like, I have to get over this. And then how did that snowball into having this really nice, healthy, balanced mindset? Well, it was one of those things where I don't know if it was a lightning bolt, but it was basically where I started to believe and experience that when I felt healthy and balanced, my weight would come into balance as well. And it's totally within our own perception. Mm -hmm. So tell me if you've ever felt this. There's some days where I feel like, some days I just feel fat. Sometimes I feel bloated and sluggish and blah. And then the very next day, now I know nothing has changed in terms of my body composition. Mm-hmm. It's completely the way I'm perceiving myself. 100%. You know, yeah. It's so it's, sometimes it is due to like what I ate or how I slept or did I work out too hard or whatever. But a lot of times it's really just how I'm perceiving myself and how I'm perceiving life. So like starting our day, you know, with a practice of you know gratitude, I'll just sit in bed for, you know, maybe, I don't know, less than five minutes, sometimes just one. And I'll just be like, oh, I feel so tired. I need coffee. But then I was just like, hey, wait a second. Let me shift that. Okay, this is going to be an awesome day. I am so lucky. And, you know, I'll I'll kind of like shift my heart to to something that's wonderful. Maybe it's my cat purring next to me or something, you know, Mm -hmm. something that doesn't cause me any kind of stress or worry. And then that alone could really help start my day so that it's like, okay, let me turn on some music. Let me make some coffee and greet my kids. Let's see them off to school. And just like have I'm in charge of making my day, whatever it turns out to be. So why not make it great? Yeah. And it's something I'm super passionate about more and more so every single day because I truly have seen it in my own experience. So obviously your mentality determines what your body does as well. So like you mentioned, even just having this more positive outlook on life and just enjoying what's around you and knowing that what's happening is happening for a reason and just all of this stuff, it really does resonate with your physical body as well. So that's when you start seeing results. Whereas if you're someone who's constantly like, I got to step on the scale today. If it's not exactly what I want it to be, then I'm going to be mad at myself. I'm going to have a terrible day. And you just like are constantly overthinking all of that. And it's just so close minded, then there's no way you're going to get to the health that you need in order to see what you want to see physically. Exactly, exactly. And I see it all the time. And one, I work at, at a clinic and it's part of our protocol. We have to weigh people mm. every, mm. every week. And it's like kind of kills me. And I said, you know, I always say to them, I said, you know what, this scale means nothing. It's your gravitational pull at this moment. And if it's going to be triggering for you, then let's just skip it. So, yep. and I do that too. I avoid the scale. I use my clothes. I just use my own, like, how do I feel in my body as the primary indicator of how I'm doing. And then the scale really means nothing. It really does, doesn't mean anything. It's an arbitrary number that will change 
up or down five to 10 in one day. So why are we taking that to mean anything? Totally. Okay. So when someone comes into your practice looking for weight loss, which you said is majority of your clients, Mm -hmm. what are some of the things that you go over? Because I'm assuming when they come to you, this is what happens with me. So I'm going to assume you're probably in the same boat. It's diet, diet, diet. So it's like, what do I need to put on my plate? How much do I need to be eating? What diet should I be following? All this stuff. So what beyond that? And I'm assuming it sounds like you give keto as an option. So Mm -hmm. we can start there. But then what else do you have them look into to get to that point where they could lose weight? Yeah. Well, first of all, we have the conversation. Being overweight is a sign of an imbalance. It's a symptom. I think I've heard you say this too. Yes, um, you have no idea how many times I said that. And I just need way more people to say that with me. Yes. <laughs> Maybe then it will sink in. <laughs> right? I know. It's a symptom. It's not the root cause. And a lot of times the root cause has nothing to do with diet and exercise. And unfortunately, our the way our culture is, it's like that's the focus. You know, it's the outside in versus the inside out type of approach that I try to, you know, I can't force that down people's throats. I can't make them not want to lose weight, but I try to very gently and kindly show them the path (laughs) and, Mm -hmm. you know, and walk along with them and just help them. And sure enough, when I get to work with people longer term, that's when I really see transformation. I see people leaving their jobs or repositioning their jobs in a way that they feel more balanced. I see them incorporating more self-care, setting up boundaries. Yeah, we work on the food, of course. You know, if somebody comes in eating, you know, donuts and McDonald's and pizza, we get them first on real food. Like you Mm got to eat real food. But I also don't want, because this was part of my journey too. I got very orthorexic, Mm -hmm. especially when I went from pescatarian to eventually paleo. I was like, is that paleo? Like I was so whole 30, like it's got to be clean food. And so there's that balance. I always try to strike two with clients so that they're not obsessing about doing everything perfect. And I'm a recovering perfectionist and control freak. So, you know, that's part of something that I try to watch out for. So I I do a lot of understanding and analyzing the personality of the person Mm -hmm. that's in front of me. I love that Gretchen Rubin's book, better than before in the four tendencies, because it's such, I mean, even though it's categorizing people and no one's just all one thing, but I see a lot of like obligers. And so obligers are people that need accountability. And that's why working with nutritionists is something that appeals to obligers because they need that outward accountability. They meet outward expectations because they sometimes have a hard time meeting their own. I'm a questioner. So I'm always like, I need to understand it. It needs to make complete sense to me Mm -hmm. or else I'm out. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So anyways, so through that, we work together and we really kind of get to know each other. And it's really an iterative process in terms of it's not me dictating, it's us going through this journey and me guiding them along with it. So but yeah, it. food's food's a very small part of it. It's one piece of the very big puzzle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I do want to talk to you about menopause. Because Mm. like I said, and like you mentioned, I get so many questions from menopausal and postmenopausal women and even premenopausal women asking about keto and asking what they should do and what should they expect. And I'm having all of these symptoms. What does it mean? And I have kind of the knowledge of what happens during menopause, but I've never been through it. And you have. Yes, I have. (laughs) So that's why I think this is going to be a great conversation. So tell us how your experience was going through menopause, specifically because you did have some previous health issues to probably keep in mind, but also you had already kind of made that transition into eating more of a paleo keto lifestyle. So how did that go? Yeah, well, so you would think it would have gone just perfectly, but it did not. It was around 2015. So I am two years postmenopausal. I'd say maybe around 2014. I was obviously going through perimenopause. Perimenopause is that period that can be 15 years prior to actually going through menopause, even 20 years. And you can start to have symptoms and the symptoms can be anything from, you know, weight loss resistance, 
changing the position of how you carry body fat more towards the belly, things like the standard menopausal symptoms like hot flashes and night sweats. You can get brain fog. I mean, the symptoms, I actually found a website that's called 34 menopause symptoms. Like, whoa, how depressing, mm, right? It's like, well, yeah, at least things like fatigue and irritability, insomnia. I mean, the list goes on and on. And I really wasn't paying attention or expecting anything. Actually, I thought I would kind of breeze through it because I felt really balanced. I was I was in yoga teacher training, to, to be honest. So it was like, I felt like, of all places, I'm so zen. I'm with these wonderful women every week, all day. And we're just exploring yoga. And it was just like the best place you could possibly be going through this transition. But... I was also dealing with some stress. I was doing some yoga workshop stuff and there was just a little bit of angst around it. I won't go into details, but I had some angst around it despite it being fun and all that. It was a work situation and I found myself getting hot flashes and I was getting hot flashes at one point almost every minute Mm. on the minute of my wake. Like I'd be in yoga teaching class. And I would just be hot flashing. I would have to fan myself all day. And it was just like, what? And then I have night sweats where I'd wake up drenched. I'd have to point a fan at my face so that I could actually sleep. And my sleep was terrible too. So I went through this symptomatic period for a little bit. I worked with my naturopath who was wonderful. And she's just like, okay, let's test your hormones. And I did some salivary hormone testing. And I was, I had like low everything, low cortisol, which as you know, your stress hormone, more in the burnout phase and low DHEA, low estrogen, low progesterone, everything, testosterone, everything was low. Pregnant alone was low. Everything was just in the tank. So I did end up doing some bioidentical replacement therapy and that helped tremendously. But really what I needed to be working on was the situation that was giving me that stress. Mm That's what was tapping me out. So that ended up resolving itself. You know, I ended up kind of walking away from the situation and moving on. And so along with the BHRT, the bioidentical replacement therapy, and me kind of having a real honest look at what was going on and having kind of the courage to move forward, that's when I lost all those symptoms, those negative symptoms, and I felt more balanced. And then I actually went through officially menopause. So I'm sure people know this or maybe not. So you perimenopause is before menopause. It can be about 15 years. And then when you stop having your period, one year from that point after is when you're officially in postmenopausal, you're officially in in menopause and it would be considered Mm postmenopausal. If you have any kind of period within, even if it's like, if I were to get my period now, I would not be menopausal. Mm -hmm. I would be back to perimenopausal. So, but so far it's been about two years of me being postmenopausal. And so kind of going back to that mindset piece of with the weight and everything, because that's, you know, that is an unfortunate symptom of menopause where you do have difficulty losing weight. What I find is a lot of women will come in or they'll reach out to me online and they'll be like, I need to beat this menopause. Oh, I can't deal with the weight gain, anything but that. And I'm just like, well, you know, let's step back. Let's look at what's going on in your life. You know, and I've got this lifestyle, like all these aspects of your life where I actually learned this in health coaching, but it's a really powerful tool where you kind of rate on a scale of one to 10, or it's actually a little graphic. And you kind of go in, like, where are you in terms of your relationship, your intimacy, your creativity, your career, your work, your community, your exercise and movement, so on and so forth. There's like, I don't know, probably 20 things. And it's such a powerful tool because it can help you really see like, oh, I'm kind of out of balance here. I thought it was pretty balanced, but geez, my finances, I'm like rating really low. And in my my relationship is not doing great. And so then you can start to say, okay, well, what's really going on there? So I think the symptoms are usually, they can be physical, but a lot of times it has to do with us not expressing 
who we really are. And the midlife or going through menopause is actually a rewiring. Dr. Christian Northrup, she's one of my mentors. She doesn't know it, but she's my one of my mentors. <laughs> I follow her work and I followed her work. I've seen her in New York a few times. She is amazing. She does describe it as a rewiring and a rebirth. And it's women shifting from either being, if they were parents or our parents, shifting from being like the primary nurturer to, you know, now the kids are kind of off on their own and they're, you know, they might still be around, but they're growing up and it's time to kind of let them go. And it's less about taking care of others. So that's for parents, but even for people that don't have kids who are say in a career situation, it's less about doing and towing the line and say, it's a corporate job. Like I had a the line and kind of falling in and like surviving through corporate all the, the tumultuous activity of corporations these days and more about like what do I need to express in my life and it doesn't mean you have to leave your job like I did you know that was probably extreme and you know I'm lucky my husband's wonderful and he was super supportive through it and he still is it can just be like finding your voice and finding your place in the organization or in your work and in your family and with your friends. And it's about letting go of suppressing yourself and who you really are. And, and that's really, I think, what I like to teach women in terms of viewing this stage of life. Aging is not a death sentence. And menopause is not our ovaries withering away and us <laughs> becoming old crones and not at all. It's about becoming who you are. And hormonally, you know this. So usually our estrogen and our progesterone starts to decline. And, and this is where we kind of get into a little bit of the physical aspects of it. We look at what's going on from a functional nutrition perspective. What happens with the decline in estrogen is we become more insulin resistant for the most part, not everybody, of course, but there's a tendency to become more insulin resistant. And this is where keto fits in so beautifully mm -hmm. with the menopause, perimenopause client, because they can still enjoy amazing food. I mean, like I love mayo. I love avocado. Like, and when you're kind of more in the Weight Watchers, like I need to lose weight, usually fat is the first thing to go in right. like mainstream, you know, like, oh, you know, have everything low fat and watch your fats and that kind of thing. So keto makes it so everything is so rich. And because of the tendency to be insulin resistant when estrogen is down, and this applies to premenopausal as well women. So even our young ladies out there, there's some hormonal fluctuations, especially with estrogen being low. That's where we can start to become more intolerant to a higher carbohydrate diet and we need to dial it back in. When our progesterone's low, the effects of cortisol become more heightened. So our tolerance for stress starts to become less and less. And I think that's where, you know, older women kind of have in my opinion, like Dr. Christian Northrup, that are doing it right are like, they are no BS. They say what's on their mind. And, you know, I find it with my mom. She's in her 70s now, very postmenopausal, but she just says whatever's on her mind. She has no filter. And it's because we're so cognizant in terms of not wanting to hurt anybody's feelings or ruffle any feathers when we're younger. When you get older, it's like, you don't even care anymore. You just, you want to be kind. Of course, I always want to lead with kindness, but you just start to speak your truth more and more. So that's, I think the beauty, despite what might be going on physiologically, it might be a decline in ovarian function, but it's not the end. It's really just the second half. Of yeah. life. And I think it's so important to things that you pointed out, first of all, that yeah, it's just another phase of life. It shouldn't have a negative connotation, which it kind of does right now, mm -hmm. because we're assuming it's going to be awful. And we're going to mm -hmm. feel terrible. We're going to gain all this weight. We're going to be sweaty all nonstop. You know, yeah. all of these really terrible symptoms. But it doesn't have to be. And I think that's what we need to get the point across. And I think it's super important that you mention these other, especially this mentality aspect that we can look at. Because the questions that I get coming from the keto community and wondering if keto is right for them in this menopausal state, like you mentioned, it's a great therapy for this time because of that heightened insulin resistance. So right there is an awesome thing. But I think we also really need to point out that that can't be the only thing. We can't just be like, okay, keto is the magic bullet. I'm going to do keto and then I'm going to be upset when I still have hot flashes. 
Exactly. Like it, yeah. you can't, again, it's the same thing that we keep talking about over and over again. doesn't matter your age or what you're trying to get away from. You can't only use one thing and think that this diet change is going to be the only thing that you need to do to not have any sort of menopausal symptoms or lose weight or whatever you're trying to do. So I want to talk more about those other things because I talk about keto a lot on Keto for Women's show. So I think we all know what that means. But for instance, you mentioned, and I think this is really huge and important and not enough women are doing this in this stage of their life, going through like, what sort of mentality do I have? What am I used to doing? How is that changing? What can I do to change my mindset along with this process? So do you have any tools that women can use if they do want to get into this kind of a mental shift state and see what's actually going on with them in their heads? Well, yeah. And you know what I love about the body positivity movement, just seeing beauty in all shapes and sizes, in all races, in everything, is that we let go of what we think we all need to look like. We do not all need to be a size zero. Once you can put that aside and be like, well, you know, I'm like a size six. I'm looking pretty good in this. It's taking care of yourself. I see a lot of women come in and they're kind of like tired. They've been doing for everyone, right? They take care of everyone. And that's a beautiful thing. I'm not saying, you know, it's not being selfish. It's about, okay, I love that analogy where you're in a plane and low oxygen and you have to put your mask on before you, and you say you've got your child right there. You have to put your mask on before you put the child's mask on Mm -hmm. so that you're strong enough to be able to help them. Mm-hmm. And so what I see is a lot of women, and it's beautiful in a way, but it's sad when I see it, kind of the after effects, where they just do not take care of themselves. You can see they're tired, they're overweight, in not a healthy way. They don't dress or take care of themselves. Of course, I say this now, like I'm still in my gym clothes, but <laughs> I, I do like to get dressed up and I like to put on makeup and I like to do my hair and all that kind of stuff. But I see this as more of a pattern of the martyr archetype, where it's more of that not filling up their own cup, not putting their oxygen mask on. So a lot of times it's really, in terms of tools, it's really just an awareness exercise and just showing them the way. And a lot of times we get stuck like, oh, I have to take care of my son. I have to do this. I have to bring him soup, even though he's a grown adult and you know that kind of thing. And a lot of times it's a beautiful thing to be able to bring a meal to your, your grown child. But if it's at the expense of you being able to take care of yourself, then it's out of balance. And so it's not about like, oh, screw everybody. I'm just going to work on me. It's really about like, how can I do both? How can I take more care of myself, less care of others, but still help them and be there for them through their troubling times. And I know it could be challenging. I mean, I have some clients that are not only taking care of their own children or also special needs kids or aging parents, and there's no one else. And then there's financially strapped. So I know it's not easy. And the answer isn't, oh, go take a bath or go to the spa. You know, it's really a mindset, like internally, do you feel you deserve to be taken care of? And if not, how can we start to shift into that belief that you are worth it and you are valuable and you need to be strong in order to be strong for others? So a lot of times it's not so much like, oh, you know, do these external things. It's about having a conversation and letting them know that they are worth it and that they bring so much value and that they need to start taking care of themselves. And when women here start to be open to that. They have to be open to it. First of all, they have to be able to receive that message. So I don't force that down their throat. You know, I kind of use intuition a lot in my practice. So I'm kind of feeling what's going on on the other side of the desk or the phone or wherever mm-hmm. we're working and taking in and seeing what they're open to and helping them you know, kind of holding up the mirror so that they can see their beauty and their worth and then start to take little steps to support that. And it's a beautiful thing when they start to see it, because then do they realize not only does it feel good for them to take care of themselves, but they are so much more for those that they need to help in their life. So sometimes they just get so depleted and haggard and it doesn't have to be that way. So 
Definitely so much. And I think that also goes in line with just kind of actually what you experienced with your own self in that how much a stressor in your lives can affect you going through menopause and how that happens or doesn't happen easily for you. So you had a stressor in your life and that really kind of did a a number on you and how you experienced those symptoms. And not enough women, I think, are looking into what is causing me stress. And it's things that we don't realize or don't think could have do that much impact, but they truly do. Absolutely. In fact, when I was going through all those symptoms, I was keto. Mm-hmm. I was obviously in my yoga teacher training. So I was doing a lot of yoga. I do some CrossFit, not like heavy duty CrossFit, but I do scaled CrossFit. I had a really good balance. I did a lot of like nature walking, you know, I was like doing everything right, mm-hmm. but I was not facing this situation truly. I mean, it was there, but it was gnawing at me and it was showing, showing me those symptoms are not the problem. Those symptoms are signs. Mm -hmm. And it's Dr. Northrup again. She'll say that the symptoms, they'll start off as whispers, right? And I think we know this at any age. It's not just through menopause. It's at any age, even with my Hashimoto's, there were things going on there. Well, of course, the stress of giving birth is something that was going on as well. But I also was kind of grappling, you know, this is me in my thirties. Now I was grappling with how do I be a good mom to three girls and have this high power job in corporate America, something that I wasn't really passionate about. And so, well, lo and behold, I get Hashimoto's and it's kind of like, so these are not the problem. These are signs. They're signs that something in your life needs to change with, with me, fast forward to my menopause experience with the hot flashes, I was not facing that stressor in my life. It was telling me something's out of alignment for you. And I think as we get older, we have less tolerance to deal with things that are not in alignment. It's like, we don't know. I'm not dealing with something that is not aligned with what I truly believe. Your BS tolerance is like shut off. So Totally. And can we talk about the stressor that comes to our bodies from this dieting mindset? Because I'm sure you have a lot of women and I've seen a lot of women just even in these questions I'm getting from women that are menopausal, they're eating like 500 calories a day. Yeah. Like they're eating so little because they are trying to lose this weight that's completely hormonally related and it's not happening. So then they lower their calories even further and even further and even further. And it's really sad and it's only causing more issue. Absolutely. I love when I get to very confidently tell women, you need to eat more. Mm -hmm. You need to eat more. And usually I want them to eat more fat because I see a lot of women more around my age, like in the forties, fifties, sixties, seventies, and they are afraid of fat. They're like, what? My mom, I cannot convince my mother. I'm like trying to get my dad on a keto diet. He's type two diabetic. I'm insulin resistant like he is, but my mom, she can have oatmeal. I mean, she's got a high carb tolerance. I will give her that. I did not inherit that. (laughs) But so I love when I talk to women who are like, well, no, I'm just using Sprite oil when I make my eggs and oh, I don't want to have too many yolks. So I buy egg whites and I'm like, like, it hurts hurts my ears. (laughs) It does. It does. And so I love to tell them, especially around the under eating, the caloric restriction, you need calories. If you keep under eating, your metabolic rate will slow down right? So then it's just going to keep, especially if you over-exercise, your body's going to be like, oh no, I need to hang on to every bit of fat on this body because this woman's starving me and killing me. She's overexerting herself. So I need to store fat. It's such a paradigm shift. I can see it in their eyes when they get it. They're still scared, but through working together, we figure out, okay, how did that feel? Okay. How's your energy? How's your hunger level? How are your cravings? And then we kind of keep tweaking any symptoms. How, you know, are you getting bloating? Are you getting an indigestion? How are your bowel movements? So we figure out and we're constantly tweaking. And usually 
when they come from like a caloric restriction type of mindset, it's really hard, but it's really powerful when they start to embrace that the food is fuel for their metabolism. It helps their metabolism heal, first of all. And until it's healed, weight loss might be slow. That's something that some people do not want to hear, but that is the truth, ladies. If you still need to heal, and this was my experience as well, personally, I had about 20 extra pounds on me off and on because of chronic dieting, because I was so low fat. My hormone imbalances were bad. I had adrenal fatigue. I'm wired that way, more on the fight or flight, high stress side. It's just my personality. So it was through me kind of doing constant work and being constantly aware of my thoughts and what I was saying yes to, what I needed to say no to, along with making sure I was eating enough fat and eating enough overall so that my body felt safe. Then it could start that repair process. Once the repair process starts, then it's just a matter of kind of tweaking to find that food flow that brings you to your proper weight balance. And I always say like, it's not about losing weight. It's about what is your right weight balance at this stage in your life. Oh my gosh. I love it so much. It's exactly what I say, but you say it in a little different way. So people might actually, between the two of us, it might actually sink in. Once again, you might actually get it that it doesn't have to be all about calories in versus calories out. It just doesn't matter. I mean, I feel like a lot of everything that we talked about, this is just kind of one last thing to wrap up, can be and should be applied to those that have not yet approached this stage of life. Like for me, I'm 36. I still have a little ways to go before I start worrying about menopause, hopefully. But um, but still things that I'm very interested in because I don't want it to be this big deal. I'm hoping and I'm assuming it's not going to be for me because I am doing the groundwork now. But do you have anything that you can add or any advice to give people that are in their 30s and early 40s now to make it a smoother process? Yeah, well, obviously your listeners are, they're not keto, they're interested in keto. So, and your approach, of course, I love because it's a real food keto. It's not about counting macros and obsessing about your macronutrients and, you know, having diet soda and a bunch of cheese so that you can meet your macros, you know, no offense to those who do that. That would not work. (laughs) Right. So, I mean, I think you have the same kind of philosophy. It's about fueling your cells, right? Your cells, your mitochondria, in your cells need fuel to be able to generate energy and to be able to heal and do all of the enzymatic processes that are necessary to function. So obviously real food is number one in terms of when we're looking at food and then find that right flow of the macronutrients, you know, never skimp on fat, find that carbohydrate tolerance. That's usually how I kind of, when I'm teaching, I'll do like a dial, like, okay, sometimes you have to dial it down. You know, can you have two servings of carbohydrates? How does that feel? How are your symptoms? How is your weight? Are you feeling like you're making progress and feeling really balanced? If it's one serving, two servings, can you get away with three? My mom can do about four. She's okay. Mm -hmm. For me, I'm more cyclic, like one or two of, you know, starchy. I do is all vegetables, Mm -hmm. non-starchy vegetables. I don't limit those at all. I don't count anything. So I just kind of just talking about like fruits and starchy veggies, Mm -hmm. or if you want to do grains or beans and that kind of thing. So that's important. The stress is super important. You just have to keep looking and, you know, keep assessing, not in a kind of anal retentive way, but just be like, you know, if you can adopt some sort of mindfulness practice, whether it be meditation or just walking in nature, journaling, something so that you are connecting to gratitude first and foremost, but then taking a real honest look about how balanced you are in all aspects of your life. One of my blog posts, I can't remember which one, but I'll, maybe I'll find it and I'll send it to you, kind of has this like wheel that I got from one of my health coachings that I talked about. So it's a really nice little tool that people could use to honestly rank kind of how happy they are in all aspects of their life. And I think that's a great reflection exercise. You don't even have to use that. You can just kind of list all the aspects of your life to see kind of like, where's my stress hiding? Because it hides. We will try to kind of suppress it and just keep pushing, you know, our culture is all about the hustle, right? Well, I'm all about the flow. Mm -hmm. And so it's that, and you know, in our thirties, and I think you have a better handle on it than I certainly did because I was more about like, okay, how do I get ahead? How do I get the promotion? How do I get the bonus? How do I get, you know, more, more, more material stuff. 
it wasn't about connecting to the work that I was doing and what I was, you know, what my soul was longing to do. So there's that. And of course, you know, the regular stuff like sleep and making sure that we're moving appropriately, not too much, not too little, finding that Goldilocks kind of place with movement. So it applies now for me and postmenopausal now and for my clients, but also for anyone, you know, even my girls, I've got two teenage girls and a daughter who's turning 22. I'm always like, you know, how are you doing? Are you happy? Are you balanced? Don't take on too much, but you don't want to be stagnant either. So it's this whole balancing act to kind of figure out like what's right for you. So it's all about the balance. It is everything. Thank you so much. That was such a great conversation. Okay. So tell people where they can find you, what you have going on. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of women that are going to want to connect with you. So do you work with people one-on-one from a distance? Give us all that info. I do. My website is evelynd.com, E-V-E-L-I-N-D. My last name is D. Dominicus, which is so hard to spell. So I don't, didn't <laughs> even dare put my website with my full last name. So it's evelynd.com. I have like a meal planning thing, like an opt-in type of thing that you can download. But sign up and get my emails. I write pretty much every few weeks just from my heart. Mm-hmm. And I'm speaking to mostly women. And I just share a lot of things that I've realized in my journey or in working with clients. I do have an intermittent fasting with keto options kind of beta test going on in January. So that's on my website too. You can find that if you go there. And yeah, I do see clients. I'm in Connecticut and I work in actually three locations in person and that's on my website. And then I also work with people remotely through Skype or phone. Okay. So yeah. Cool. That's so awesome. And you have some Instagram and Facebook uh, accounts too? I do. Facebook is Evelyn D, I think underscore nutrition and Instagram is Evelyn D. Dominicus, but probably if you just start typing Evelyn yeah, D. Yeah, it'll, it'll, it'll come up. So yeah. yeah. And we, we'll have all of it linked in the show notes. So you can just click on this episode and you'll be able to do that or go to seanminer.com to get all those links as well. So yeah, Perfect. it was really great to have you. Such a good Ooh. conversation. We definitely vibe. Like you and I have this very similar stories and backgrounds, but also just current beliefs about oh. everything. And so that's really great to just kind of talk Talk to someone that has that same mentality. Oh, Sean, I have been listening to you for this whole time. I didn't even know about your other podcast. I guess I was searching for keto and I listened to every episode. It's the first thing I listened to on Fridays. Your energy is such, so aligned and I just love what you're putting out in the world and I just want to thank you. Oh, yes. Thank you so much. It's so sweet. Yeah. And we will definitely be in touch and friends forever. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on the show too. That was really great. Oh, thank you for having me.